Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast that tells the story behind the book. It includes insights from authors about how they compose their work, what inspires them, and what they hope you'll take away from their book. Here's your host for this episode of Books on Air, Suzanne Harris. Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Sloan Fremont filling in for Suzanne Harris. This is a podcast where listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is Kunthi Ford and Patrick Ricketts, authors of the book Bias Impacts, How Culture and Diversity Affect Leadership Journey. Since the Black Lives Matter and Me Too movements have gained ground, organizations have been striving to appear more diverse, equitable, and inclusive. However, these initiatives are often superficial. This book provides a guide to becoming a more effective and inclusive leader through providing insights into the experience of others combined with the theory and suggestions for leading and improving organizational culture. So Kanthi and Patrick, I want to welcome you to the Books on Air podcast. Thank you. So let's start out by telling the audience just a little bit about yourselves and what led you to write your book, Bias Impacts. Sure. Um, these days, I am a business coach and non-executive director on a number of boards. Um, and how this came about was we were part of a, a director's forum and we met on there and we had an initial conversation and some subsequent con- conversations after that. And what we realized was that we were the only people that looked like us within that forum And that generated conversations. And then, um, hey, presto, the book came uh, a little while later. (laughs) Amazing. Kanthi, tell us a little bit about you. I've been a leadership um, coach and the director of various companies. I've set up companies all over the world. I've worked in over 80 countries. And uh, I was delighted to meet Patrick because I kept feeling like I was the only person um, at a senior role that looked slightly different. I see. Okay. So let's start out by talking a little bit about what biases are. Can you define that for us and maybe tell us a little bit about how we come about them and does everybody have biases? We're all hardwired to have biases. We were all born in different places, got different families, different communities, different experiences. So if if you it's a it's a brain function. So if you're human, you have biases. So understanding that and understanding that in the context of diversity, equity and inclusion is essential as a leader of any organization or indeed as a parent or somebody in the community. Yeah, because biases are outside of the workplace, right? It's it's something that's going on within us at all times when we're basically interacting with the world. Is that right? Yes, it's in our brains. It's, mm-hmm. it's a brain function, constantly filtering things out. So as we filter things out, we create bias for ourselves. And is the bias, how does a bias serve us? Or how do we feel like it serves us? Is it something that protects us? Is it something that, like you just mentioned, it? we have so much information coming at us, it's a filtering mechanism? Or can you talk a little bit more about that? It's a filtering mechanism. It's something that, it's something that protects us in a way. It's, it's just, you know, our brain is receiving thousands, hundreds and thousands of bits of information by the second. So the only way we can survive as humans is to just keep filtering things constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So Patrick, can you talk a little bit about maybe how we become aware of our own personal biases and maybe how these biases impact us in way that ways that maybe we don't even realize? Sure. Well, those biases uh, are derived from the experiences that we have and the environments in which we live. And those tend to influence where we are and what we do. 
and the people we connect with mm-hmm. and the interaction we have those with those individuals over time builds a belief system that um, makes us who we are. And through the journey on this book, we've discovered our own biases and recognize a bit more. But what you're looking to do with that is to reshape maybe some of those biases that are counterproductive. Yeah. Can you give an example of maybe a counterproductive bias? Because it it seems like um, this topic, as I was thinking about our interview, it's something we all know we have, but because it's almost automatic or it's been go or we were brought up with it or, you know, whatever the case may be, how do we recognize those biases so that we can change them? Well, I think one of the, one of the examples we, we talk about, we're not going to give everything away today, but one of the examples I can talk about right now is recruitments and how people who work in a certain environment decide that they're going to recruit someone into a particular role. And my experience has been that, um, people tend to recruit in their own image, people that have the same values as them that look like them as well. And it's how you influence people to look outside of that and bring people in with different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if we think about this in, in the business realm with leadership, um, throughout writing your book and maybe in your own personal lives, have you seen people in leadership positions being willing to talk about biases, being able to maybe um, recognize their own biases and and do things differently? Or did you find that or have you found that maybe biases is something that's maybe not even talked about so much? It's a new subject. It's something that has not been um, raised. You know, part of our book is to take the lid off those experiences. And the whole book is full of our lived experiences. So it's not just a book on theory. It delves down into, you know, this is the theory of bias. This is how it plays out in the workplace. This is our personal experience of it. Yeah. And I mean, that seems like such a big subject, especially in, in you know, the work environment, corporate world. And how can we maybe start to put ourselves in someone else's shoes? If we think about the example of hiring, let's say that you just um, gave, and maybe if someone is aware of their own biases or trying to, you know, maybe um, look at things a little differently, how can we begin to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and, you know, really start to take apart our own biases and and look at things differently? It's about self-awareness. It's Mm -hmm. very much about um, getting insights into how we show up. And as part of the book in chapter four, we talk a lot about understanding the sort of um, biases we may have. And to, to support these, this book, we also run workshops to get people to give them insights into their personal uh, behavior as a leader so that it holds the mirror up to their biases. Yeah. I imagine, is that tough for people as you're doing workshops and things? Is Do people, are they resistant to this topic? Are they, well, I don't have any biases. Is that what you find at the, maybe at the beginning? And then there's like a transformation at the end. Yes, you certainly, you certainly find that. And not necessarily, it, it takes more than one session, I would suggest, to, yeah. to perhaps to, um, change those that are somewhat hardwired to um, their own biases, let's say so. Um, but we do find that people do change. And, and what we found with people that have read the book and have given us some feedback is is, is their astoundedness at what they've actually found in terms of our real-life experiences, and that's affected them in quite a profound way, and they want to know more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we found so far. Yeah. 
And so in writing the book, what are some of your favorite parts that you got to write about? Maybe I'll hear from each of you and, and let me know what you found like the most, maybe the most rewarding or maybe the most eye-opening. Well, for me, it was um, the piece around um, streets or establishment, which is on chapter four, because it talks about systemic um, behaviors. It talks about um, how, you know, the communities and the systems that we live in. And so it asks some really challenging questions of organizations, of community leaders, um, as to how they are, and, you know, and school leaders as well. And the other chapter I really like is the last chapter because it's a provocative challenge to people to to take to take up the cudgel and and recognize how they are being and how inclusive they are being in the world. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's probably chapter five: speak for yourself and lose or worth losing your job. And you know, throughout my career, there have been instances where. Um, it was a question of do I, you know, someone subjected me to, you know, abuse in one way, whether it be verbally or otherwise, or also kept you away from something, didn't get you involved in something, and something that you felt passionate about, but you were ignored. And what I found was that um, in the early days, you couldn't speak up, but things are changing. Things are changing now, and there's more um, more support with social media the way it is these days. Well, companies do not want to have bad press about right. what's going on. Right. And, and what have you found on this topic? Because I worked in corporate offices for many years. In the past roughly four years, I've worked remotely. So have you found that there's a difference there for organizations maybe that have more remote workers versus people who are in, in an office environment on a regular basis? Or is it just more universal? It's more universal. And these things are endemic. You know, it's something that people haven't talked about. You know, many a time I've heard people say, um, oh, we we dealt with all of that. You know, we are a diverse um, organization. But when you start to um, split companies up so people are being more isolated, they're working remotely, they're not engaging um, with the wider group. You know, we're social beings as humans. We want mm-hmm. to be part of something. And on all that the remote and non-remote um, activity happens is that it, it sort of makes it people work in silos more. Yeah. So the bias becomes even more entrenched. Yeah, that is very interesting because um, just uh, from my own personal experience of being, you know, working from home, there is a lot of that... Um, feeling of being alone and feeling very much like, um, you know, like it's just, you're kind of out of the loop. You try to be in the loop, but you're not really sure how to get in the loop sometimes, you know, when it's, when you're working remotely. So I think that is a a very interesting point, especially for, um, listeners if they're in that situation, um, of working remotely that, um, it is quite a different experience. Some people love it. Some people, hate it. Um, but it is, uh, definitely, I, I just noticed in my own life, that difference of being in the office versus being at home and kind of the things that you, that require of your own self to be a little, put a little bit more, um, effort in, in maybe ways that you didn't do that when you were in a, in an office environment. Absolutely. Businesses are missing a trick because you need diversity, you need equity, you need people to feel part of something in order to generate motivation and make highly performing businesses. Yeah. What do you want people to know? What do you want the listeners to know about personal biases and about leadership? What are, do you have like any, um, anything that really stands out to you that you feel is, um, 
maybe missing from most people or maybe things maybe people don't even consider on this topic? Hmm. I think people, you need to have a way of influencing those individuals that perhaps don't recognize their biases. So, you know, in one particular chapter, we talk about activism. Uh, we talk about the fact that um, we do, you know, there are different types of activism and we want to make sure that the language that is used and the way we articulate to the leaders influences them to look at themselves, their behaviors, and therefore bring about change and lead from the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, as you're talking about that, I, I imagine that, especially in your workshops, that um, it's probably a pretty amazing feeling to see maybe some of those people who don't recognize their own biases or maybe are unwilling at first and to see that transformation in them as they start to recognize and see, wait a minute, this actually does apply to me because it's really easy, I think, to point the finger at everybody else and say everybody else needs to change. But it's sometimes really hard to look within and be like, wait, actually, I'm, I have some work to do on myself here in this topic. Absolutely. I mean, I've had um, CEOs of, of large organizations uh, arrive and say, well, I'm not biased, but I have to go through this. You know, back to Patrick's uh, point on activism, you know, the society likes to label things and come out the end. And he said, oh, I hadn't realized how biased I was. I had one person who was almost in tears because he said, I've just realized I've been denying the existence of my partner. Whenever, whenever anybody ever talks to me about my partner, I always accept that they refer to him as a woman because I don't want to stick my head above the parapet and say, um, no, I've got a male partner. So, you know, there, that you see, yeah, this happens all the time in sessions. Not, you know, not everybody, um, gets it straight away. But once you go back out, once you've read the book, you find, oh, yeah, that does apply to me. I hadn't thought about that before. So, yeah. so that's the hope that we have that it mirrors for people yeah. what's possible. And it's, yeah. it's also about leaders being brave as well. You know, lots of organizations that we're involved with, that they'll have high performers, and those high performers believe that they're they're immune to to change. And it's down to that leader to recognize that, actually, if I'm going to change the culture and the behavioral, um, the behaviors of people in the organization, I may have to be brave. And those high performers that think they're excluded from these sort of things, we may have to make, you know, um, I wouldn't say an example of them, but be brave and make those changes that are necessary to ensure that everybody comes along on that journey with them. Yeah. Yeah. As you're talking, that reminds me of like, you know, with change, it's like trying to turn a cruise ship or something, right? You're not going to, it's, it's a gradual, you know, once you get the momentum, then it can go. But that, um, that first even acceptance of it or willingness is what kind of gets your, gets it started. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, and that's anything in life, right? Any type of change, but that, um, that willingness for people to be, I think, be vulnerable and be able to talk about it and be able to admit that, you know, they didn't see it at first and, you know, now they see things differently. And I think, especially if you're talking about high performers, because, um, often it, well, my behavior got me here. So why do I have to change? Right. Why, if I'm already here, I was doing these things, you know, and it got made me successful. But, um, that other part of life that we often forget is that life is change. Life is all about change. Everything is changing. So just because, um, we did something a certain way before doesn't mean that's the way we're going to do it for the rest of our lives. Absolutely. What would you say surprised you the most about writing the book? 
Well, we went on our own journey as well. You know, we, <laughs> we discovered we discovered our own um, strengths and weaknesses um, as we travelled along. Um, and one of the things that I've discovered since we've written the book, I've been quite um, nervous about um, sharing it. Um, simply because it's personal, it's my lived experiences, and I've spent a lifetime and a successful career pretending that it didn't matter. You know, I was one of the lads. It was all okay uh, yeah. because I didn't want to stick my head above the parapet. Yeah, so there was some vulnerability there that was required. Yeah. Actually, it was how much, what I realized is how much I'd actually been bottling up. Yeah. How much I hadn't shared with, you know, family members, you know, just didn't talk about it. And yeah. how that how that's impacted on on me um in writing that book. So there've been some really big, serious, heavy reflections. And yeah. you know, people have I've discovered things about myself, my wife has discovered things about me in my experiences that I never shared. Yeah. And to a certain extent, it's been quite liberating. That's what I was going to say. Was it very freeing? Did you feel it like relief in that being able to finally get those things out that maybe you didn't even know were there, but needed to come out? Yes, definitely. Yeah. That's what I love talking to authors about is that vulnerability that comes out in, in writing, right. And how it's um, often I've heard people say they didn't think they could do it. And then at the end they were like, I can't imagine not doing this now after the book is complete and they've um, you know been able to tell their story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're coming up on the end of our time here. So before we close out, I just wanted to ask you both, what do you hope the readers learn or take away after reading your book? That they only see the world in a very blinkered way. And by taking off those blinkers, there's just so much more opportunity, so much joy to be had in the world. Mm -hmm. To embrace difference. Not yeah. Rejected. Yeah. Embrace that difference and see the benefits it can bring to them as you know for themselves socially, but also the benefit it brings to their business in terms of growth and integration into the communities in which they work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, this is such a great topic. I wish we had more time. Um, but I do want to thank you both for joining us today. My guests have been Conti Ford and Patrick Ricketts, authors of the book, Bias Impact, How Culture and Diversity Affect the Leadership Journey. So I want to thank you both for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You can find more about the book on Amazon and I'll link to the book in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join us for the next Books on Air podcast. Remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.